Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is prep sports reporter Brian Mosey. Brian, we're in our first week uh, without high school sports since I think the second week of August or so when practice started up. Um, how are you holding in there? Doing good. The COVID is gone, so um, we're we're away from that now, which is good. Um, me too. We can't do, we can't, we don't have anything to go to, but it's gone. Yeah. 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 But it's gone. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, otherwise I think it was weird not seeing, cause I just saw all the games and matches that were happening on Monday and Tuesday and man, there was a lot of matches with volleyball. And um, then we had football coming up on Friday and Saturday, just kind of, it's weird, weird to see that uh, that stuff's not happening. I, I had some uh, different practices already scheduled out for winter sports, and those ones are obviously going to be pushed back a few weeks. Um, but no, doing good. Enjoying uh, the, these next couple of days off. Got some turkey in my belly, and uh, should be a great time um, just being able to enjoy some of the holiday. Um, a little bit more of a condensed version of a holiday, but... <laughs> but definitely a needed, a needed time off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I know, yeah, just even looking at the schedules, a lot of basketball teams, different people already have just, they've cut off the first, you know, month, month or so, and just have whenever it comes back in January, when they can start up after those two weeks of practices, that's what it looks like the schedule is going to be. So like we said, that's going to kind of be just a little bit of a waiting period for us before we can even start, you know, talking to some of those coaches, because there's only so much you can learn before they even practice or, uh, get ready for the season. But to kind of wrap up the fall season today, we wanted to talk about our all Metro teams that are going to be coming out. Um, we're recording this on a Tuesday, but you're probably going to be listening to this on a Wednesday uh, since we're both off on Wednesday and Thursday for, well, I'm working Thursday, but Brian's off for Thanksgiving too. So um, we're recording this one a little early since we just wrapped up our all Metro teams for football and volleyball. Um, those should be on the website. I'm not sure the exact time they'll be up, but it will be kind of in the middle of this week to run later in the week in print. We have some early deadlines because of the holidays. So um, we thought today, since we're, we have no sports going on, uh, we thought this would be the best time to, to kind of run it over, look back a little at um, some crazy seasons for volleyball and football. Um, the, the stop, the start, the stop again, um, and just recognize some of those really good players that, while some either didn't get postseasons or definitely didn't get state tournaments, um, they still put up some pretty stellar numbers in condensed seasons. Yeah. No, I think I think for me it's uh, it's going to be kind of an interesting time to kind of reflect on what's been happening these last few weeks and just kind of you know enjoy enjoy looking back at it. I know for us, I think at the beginning of when this football and volleyball season started. I think you and I both were kind of like, well, get a couple of weeks. That'd be fun. You know, <laughs> like just, just because realistically we, we kind of thought about it and we're like, okay, how's this going to work? How are things going to operate? But kudos to the coaches, the players, the ADs for kind of getting everything squared away. Yeah. We had a couple of hiccups in the road. A couple of teams had to go on quarantine and, and not be able to practice, but overall, every team pretty much got to, I mean, every football team around our area pretty much got at least five games or more. Um, and, you know, it's just, I think, and then volleyball, I think mo- the majority of the people, majority of the teams got at least, I think eight matches under their belt. 
um, and would have had more if, you know, this pause didn't happen. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think it's a very cool, very cool time to kind of reflect. I love these all Metro stuff and um, you kind of took charge of football. I kind of took the lead on volleyball, but we both kind of worked our, definitely got some input from each other because I think both of us are um, trying to get the best results out there to the people. And um, yeah, so I think volleyball is coming out Wednesday in the paper and then Thursday will be football. Um, So make sure to check out those papers. It'll also be online. Um, I think it's going to be subscriber only. So you'll have to have a subscription to, to be able to look at it. Um, But I definitely encourage you to do so because there's a lot of good names out in, in there and, it's kind of fun to just kind of read about the different people and um, how they deserve this, this award, because there's a lot of good players out there. <laughs> I know for, for football. I mean, I think it's 46 players total on the team. And while that seems like a lot, you'd be like, you'd be struggling to find names. No, there's still a lot of names that I wish I could have put <laughs> on here um, that That's I couldn't get some really deep positions. You know, you only have two court quarterbacks. Um, there's a lot of defense positions that, you know, are, there's so many more names I wish I could have put on there, but there's only so many spots. So, um, and I know volleyball, you struggled too with finding um, there's a couple of decisions you had to make that were really tough on you or you've been thinking about for a couple of days trying to decide um, who should be those final spots. So, yeah, I think we can start um, with football. So for football um, it's of the seven teams as we always cover, but for where there's a first and a second team, Um, I'm just going to run through. So there's one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, five offensive linemen, and one punter or kicker. Um, And then there's also on defense, there's four linemen, four linebackers, and three defensive backs um, on first and second team. So that all ends up adding up to 46 players. Um, And I'm going to just kind of run through some of them. Um, As we we go through, kind of mention a couple, Brian, I'm sure we'll jump into um, and we'll just go through some of some of the highlights. I'm not going to run through every single name because we'd be here for like an hour and a half. But um, I will mention some of, especially the first team and then the second team. Mostly, um, you can probably just check out on the website. is going to be easiest. But um, for the first team for quarterback to start off, it's Camden Bauer. It was kind of an easy choice, honestly. Um, he threw for over 1,100 yards total. Um, 60% completion percentage for nine touchdowns, which is really consistent. Only, I think, three interceptions. So um, a great year for him as Ricori finished 7-0 and with that section title win over Grand Rapids. I'm the, we were not at, but we got to watch last Friday. Um, and also in that game, it was his uh, career high, I think, especially season high for passing yards, 237 yards. Um, and three touchdowns. So it was kind of one of those situations where he'd been building, um, looking pretty good throughout the year, and then kind of it all seemed to come to fruition in that final game, finishing on a on a high streak like that. Yeah, definitely, and, and and just with his versatility too. I mean, he can he can tuck the ball and go for a nice run too. So um, definitely a deserving deserving guy for this for this spot, just because I mean, like you said, it's hard to go undefeated, and you need you need a quarterback to be able to manage the manage the the huddle and be able to manage the entire offense and um, seem like Bauer, especially with just kind of coming in this year. Cause I mean, Jack was, was had that position last year, so he didn't really have a whole lot of time to adjust to this position, but um, and especially with, you know, starting up in late September um, he didn't really have a whole lot of weeks to kind of get under his belt, but uh, definitely came out and came out firing. So deserving of this, this spot for sure. 
Yeah, I definitely thought so. Yeah, like you said, rushing, he was second on the team um, with five touchdowns, 262 yards and almost five yards of carry. So um, just a really great season for him. It'll be interesting to see if um, he does play at the next level, Division Two teams, if they start kind of come calling. He, you know, he was a all-metro safety first team last year, too. He didn't even play on defense this year to kind of um, keep him healthy for offense. So, um, but I know he just worked so much on his passing. Um all offseason and Coach Herbert, he was just huge on just the huge strides um, that he made to be able to kind of put them over the top and remain undefeated. And their win streak now sits at 14 games going last year. I think it's the third longest in the state right now. And then at the running back positions, uh, there was a really deep crop for this as well. But the first team selections ended up kind of being pretty simple as well. Um, Nolan Reuter from Albany and Ethan Torgrimson from Sartell. Um, Nolan ran for a team high 663 yards, scored four, 14 touchdowns, and three Albany running backs at over 500 yards rushing, which is just insane backfield as they finished the season 8-0 and just cruised to a section title win over Piers that um, I'm sure Brian will talk a little bit about in a couple minutes. That was the game he kind of focused on last Friday night as well. Um, and for Ethan, he had a couple less games, but in only six games, he had 727 yards, 12 touchdowns um, on over seven yards per carry. And both were um, just stellar linebackers for their both teams, too. So um, this one seemed too kind of simple. I mean, these two guys were just some of the best in the area all year. Yeah, it seemed like I started off the season watching Ethan go for like four or five touchdowns against Apollo. And then I got to end the season watching Nolan um, just – run right through peers for the section title win. Um, I mean, Nolan was literally unstop, unstoppable against peers on, on Friday. And um, for how dominant of a team that people talk about with peers, I wasn't as familiar with peers just because um, I was, I, I used to work down in the cities. Um, I was very shocked at, you know, just how much of a difference. Um, I mean, I think, I think Albany won by 40 plus points. Um, and so, I mean, it's just, it, it was, it was kind of a, like just a shock to be quite honest, um, with how, how dominant Albany was. And the nice part is, is that there's a lot of familiar faces that are going to be coming back on that team next year, because all they do is just keep bringing in running backs and running backs and running backs. <laughs> so, um, I think it'll be very fun to watch going into next year, but definitely these two deserve it. Um, I know, Ethan just decommitted from uh, Bemidji State a couple couple days ago. Um, he was originally supposed to, or he committed to Bemidji State a while or a little bit, probably about a week ago, a little over a week ago, um, and then he just decommitted from Bemidji State. So not sure where, what's going on there. Maybe he's getting some better offers. I'm not sure um, based on just what he was able to do in the section in the section game on Friday night. But I guess we'll see what happens. But yeah, these two definitely. Definitely deserved this spot. Um, like you said, both of them uh, play unbelievable linebacker positions. I mean, they're very good at their positions there. But just based on where people were laying, I think I think you were I think you you thought that they'd be a better better running back position than linebacker position, just based on Ricori's uh, back line there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to them in a little bit. But yeah, one one other thing I don't know if I mentioned at the top is that. Um, can only be one position. So I, I kind of picked where people were better. Um, you can't be at linebacker and running back because almost everyone plays two ways in the teams we cover. So 
And a um, lot of, and a lot of these coaches, I mean, a lot of this stuff is also based on nominations from coaches as well. It's not just us kind of closing our eyes and picking it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into these decisions um, regarding stats. We get stats from the coaches. The coaches also bring out their nominations um, and then we take their nominations and we do the best we can to try and plop people where they are. But um, in the end, it's also based on our insight because we have been covering these teams all season long. Absolutely. And at the receiver position, we have three seniors, um, Tucker Hokinson from Ricori, Katavion Norwood from Tech, and Ethan Upsell from Sock Rapids Rice. Um, for Tucker, he was the top receiver in the area at over 500 yards receiving and four touchdowns. Um, he didn't get used as much down the stretch. He still did make some big catches in the last couple of weeks. But the big thing with Ricori is that instead of the first about three games or so, Tucker was basically the only offensive option. Um, he had over 300 something yards receiving through the first three weeks. And after that, they kind of figured out that, Hey, we need to get everyone else involved too. And once they started getting a couple other guys like Jaden Philippi and Luke Humbert, and Brady Lynn, um, a couple running backs and receivers, the ball, they just were unstoppable. Other teams just kind of couldn't really seem to decide who to cover. Um, Drew Schneider as well had a couple touchdowns at tight end. So yeah, they just, they really stepped it up. And for Catavion and Ethan, both of them, we got to see a couple times, and um, they, I almost wish we just could have seen them more, or it would have been a normal season. Um, Ethan only played three or four games. Katavion only played five, um, so they didn't quite get those stats they probably would have normally had, but both had a lot of touchdowns. Katavion um, had a kick return touchdown. Ethan had, I think, four touchdowns in only those couple games, so um, both also were um, just really obvious choices to me after, after really good seasons. Yeah, I think for me, I, I I laugh because I I'm reading I'm reading part of your story and it says Katavion was an explosive receiver for the Tigers' offense, and that is so so true. I mean, explosive is the best way to describe him. I mean, when he had that kickoff return against Elk River, um, I was there, and and just he'll hit he'll hit a lane and he'll just fly. I mean, he's so fast and so explosive. It's just such a fun thing to watch. Um, same with Ethan. Ethan is just so gifted um, with, with just being able to, to get a, to get around the defender and be able to create opportunities for Dominic to, to throw to him. So um, yeah. And then same with Tucker, Tucker, like you said, I mean, it seemed like it was just a hundred yards every single week <laughs> for the first few weeks. And then, and then all of a sudden it was like, where did he go? <laughs> But he still was a threat, and that's why he—that's why he didn't get thrown to a whole lot. Was because the people were double teaming him a lot and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I mean, definitely good choices on these, and um, yeah, very very fun to watch these guys. It'll be sad to see them not here next year because they were just such incredible um, wide receivers for this season. Yeah, and all three of those guys, too, all really good basketball players, and you'll probably be seeing them on a top ten basketball <laughs> players list. Um, to come in the next months too, because all of them um, starters and kind of stellar players too. So we'll get, we might not see them, you know, in pads anymore, but we'll be seeing a lot more of all three of them throughout the winter. That's for sure. Um, And then moving to the offensive line, uh, two tech offensive linemen, Spencer Gustin, a senior and John Kayser, a junior. Um, Also we have five. So there's um, Aaron Reichard from Sock Rapids. He's a senior Devin Ritter from Albany. He's a senior and Henry Tice from McCory, who's a senior. Um, all of these guys were recommended, you know, very explicitly from the coaches. They're, um, they had really high confidence in what they were able to do for their offenses. They kind of made them tick. 
Um, and yeah, all these were um, just re- kind of ended up being really clear. It was, it's tougher for us being, cause you know, you're at a game, you're watching where the ball is, you're trying to take pictures, you're trying to take stats. Sometimes it gets lost of really who are the best offensive linemen. You don't get the chance to look at that film or see them every day in practice and know how dominant they are. Um, this is a big one where the coaches come really into play is deciding line play. Um, and yeah, just all these picks, they were some of the guys that we were supposed to watch before the season. Um, and they really came through throughout the year. Yeah. I think, I mean, the one, the two people that came, came to my mind was Spencer and John from tech. And I mean, both of them are both getting looked at regarding, you know, potential college offers and, um, potentially continuing their football career there. Um, but I just, I mean, they're just insane. They're so good. Like, I mean, if you, if you watch a game, Lincoln Benson has so much time in the pocket, just being able to create plays and create ways just because of these two guys on the line. And uh, I just think it's, I think it tells you something about what these guys are able to do. Like you said, we don't, we don't talk about them a whole lot. um, But when it comes to like Ethan Torbrimson's big night or Nolan Reuter's um, big night, they're not possible without the help of the offensive line. I mean, talking to Nolan last week during his, um, during his phenomenal performance on Friday, he, the first thing he said was these offensive linemen were having so much fun. He even said, you know, honestly, I could have closed my eyes and ran down the middle and I probably would have made it into the end zone or at least five yards ahead because they just opened up so many paths for them, for him that it was just so easy to, to get it all done. So um, no, definitely, definitely a very important role for, for, um, for an offense and um, definitely deserving of it. And yeah, with these other offensive linemen, Aaron from Soccer Rapids, you know, he's, he's a really intelligent, fast player. Coach Klopak, he was really big on just kind of how he represents the team. Um, Devin Ritter from Albany, he was the main blocker for an offense that had 2,400 yards and 38 touchdowns on the ground in eight games. Um, just astronomical numbers. He was also a good um, defensive lineman as well. And then Henry from Ricori, um, you know, Ricori, they lost their entire offensive line from last year's state title team, but Coach Herberg said, Henry, he really stepped up and was just aggressive and got nasty in the trenches in a way that allowed them to, to be able to kind of run the ball down the stretch there and be a lot more of an explosive offense um, against good teams. And then for special teams, um, Connor Moschke from Ricori is the punter on the team. He averaged close to 40 yards a punt this year, which is easily the best in the area. Um, he also had a successful fake punt against Delano. I saw that kind of spurred the momentum for them. Um, and then he, when we were at the Hutchinson game, I think he only punted once the whole game, but it was like a 50-something yard punt. And I remember you looked at me and were like, yep, he's going to be first team all Metro. <laughs> the second the punt landed, I think he it landed at like the one-yard line. Uh, like, yep, that's a wrap so i think you agree with this one. Oh no for sure it's it's, it's hard because it's like i mean most of the time with kickers you usually take like a soccer kid and have them be a kicker that's typically what most high school uh teams do um and then punter i mean you have to be gifted i mean you really do you have to work at your craft it's not just like you know, I mean, it's, it's similar to any other position in football. You have to be able to work at it and punt. And um, I mean, yeah, it seemed like Connor, Connor was finding a rhythm towards the end of the season. And I remember you were telling me, cause we were talking about who's going to be on that first team for punter or kicker. And you were like, well, Connor's looking really good. And I never saw Ricori play. 
So then, yeah, once he did that 50-something yard punt, I was like, yep, sign seal delivered. He's not <laughs> tell you that much. So And, yeah, and he'll be one of those that will be asked to take a pretty big role on the offensive end next year for Ricori when they lose, you know, every quarterback, their running backs, the receivers, some linemen. It's going to be a really different team for them that tries to keep that winning streak going. So it'll be fun to see him get a bigger role next year too. And then moving to the defensive side, um, on the defensive line, we have a lot of players from different schools. Um, we have Declan Crumley from Albany Jr., um, Ishmael Hall from Apollo, who's a senior, Blake House from Sartell, who's a junior, and Carter Lesh from Sock Rapid, who's a junior. Um, the thing that sticks out, it seems like a lot of the years too, um, these younger guys, they get their kind of start on the defensive side. They start to get more of that varsity time on defense, and then it kind of moves to the offense as they get older. Um, Carter had a big year last year as a sophomore, um, and we were expecting big things out of Blake this year too, and they kind of really delivered on that. Um, all of these guys had a lot of sacks, tackles for loss. Um, Declan had the most with seven sacks this year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they just they also – Albany only allowed 8.8 .8 points per game that he was a big part of. Um, for Apollo Ishmael, he had a great time on the defensive line, had eight tackles for loss. Um, and yeah, I mean, Blake, he's getting looks from, you know, some D1, D2 schools. Um, and he also had a really big part of their offensive line doing well too. Like you talked about with Ethan, those offensive linemen, um, coach Enches, he said that once he moved from tight end to tackle midway through the year, the running game got even better. Um, and I think the following game, Ethan ran for almost 300 yards. So um, yeah, all these defensive line guys, um, I thought were really deserving and were really explosive all year. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, and for me, I think the one name that pops into my head was, um, Crumley cause I was, I was able to go watch a couple of the Albany games towards the end of the season and, um, seemed like anytime there was a fumble recovery, Crumley was up with the ball in his hand and you're like, man, like that, <laughs> like, <laughs> And granted, granted, it's more than just Crumley. I mean, you got you got Nolan and Will in the back, and being able to to go out and, and give some offensive or some defensive pressure. But um, yeah, Crumley is definitely going to be a fun guy to watch next year as a senior and um, in that Huskies defense. Um, and then also Blake, um, I remember going out to Bemidji and and uh, being able to watch him play. And you know, that first week or that first regular season game against Bemidji did not go in, in the Sabers' favor at all. But um, Blake was just having a phenomenal game. And then I think he got out because he got injured somehow. Um, and you could just see the amount of like frustration on his face um, in the, on the sideline, just because he was, he, he's so passionate about the game. He loves the game so much. And um, like you said, I mean, he's getting looked at by D1, D2, D2 teams. And I mean, he's definitely deserving of it with the stats that he was able to put up for what, six games, I think it was six or seven games. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely a very, very fun guy to watch. And um, the fun part is, is that all these guys are juniors except for Hall. And um, I think that's, I think that's kind of exciting just to be able to know that you're going to be watching some familiar names coming back. Yeah. And on the linebacker crew, like we talked about before, it's kind of Ricori across the board for the most part. Um, Brady Blattner, Drew Schneider, and Luke Humbert um, from Ricori, and then also Carter Thielen from Albany. Now, Drew, Luke, and Carter were all first team as juniors, so that made the decision a little easier because <laughs> they were all dominant again this year. None of them lost a game. Um, Drew, Brady, and Luke for Ricori, they were one, two, three in tackles, um, and Brady actually had the most tackles, so I'm really excited to see what he can do next year back as that senior while he was playing 
alongside those talented guys this year, next year, he'll have to take on kind of even a bigger role as the, the force in the middle there. But um, I think he's ready for that too. Um, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Luke and Drew, they also um, had big roles on the offensive end in those last two games of the year against Hutchinson and Grand Rapids. Um, so that was cool to see for them to, to get a little more involved. And then for Carter, um, you know, leading tackler for the second straight year for Albany, um, one loss in the last two years for the Huskies. And I know Mike Kleinschmidt, he said he's one, he's, he's one of the best linebackers they've had in a long time, which is pretty big praise coming for that team. Definitely. No, I mean, like I said, I, I didn't get to watch um, Ricori play until the very final game of the season, regular season. And um, man, against Hutchinson, it was fun to watch. I, I'm just going to say that. I mean, with Brady and Luke and Drew, they all just know where 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 each other are going to be at every given moment, and it just makes it so much easier. And I mean, granted, they're all seniors, so they understand the system, they understand what what's expected of them. But man, was that a fun one to watch! And then you know, with Carter, like you said, I mean, Carter and Nolan um, being able, and then Will also being on that linebacker core. Um, I think it's just, it, it was, it was so good to, to watch them because they just, they're in sync with each other and, and it just makes the team a lot better. And obviously you can see it by the results. I mean, Albany and Ricori finishing off with undefeated seasons and section titles. Yeah. And for the defensive backs, we had two Albany defensive backs, um, Carter Beer and uh, Ethan Navratil. Ethan, he had five interceptions um, this year. And then also he had only six catches, but I think five went for touchdowns. Um, for seven catches for six touchdowns, I think it was. Um, he just was everywhere all the time. And then Carter also um, had a couple hundred rushing yards too. He'd kind of come in after a couple of the starters had, and he showed that he's going to be a big force for them next year too. So um, he'll be he'll play even a bigger part for them in in the future. Yeah. No. The one thing I will say is Ethan was so much fun to watch. I like. I mean, just to start off the game against uh, um, Piers. I mean, Piers gets gets the offensive ball right away, and the first play that they throw, Ethan picks it off. And that was just, I mean, right then and there, you knew that Albany pretty much had the momentum from then on. And, uh, I mean, that's what he can do. So, And then also just on the other side, he's an amazing wide receiver. I know Isaiah Isaiah Garrett, he probably threw, I don't know, 12 times throughout the year, but I think he he had like nine touchdowns. Because he's just, every time that he threw, it was like, oh, there's Ethan. There you go. You can have the ball. So, I mean, I just, it, it's just, he was a very gifted athlete. So I know they're going to miss him on that defensive front and the offensive front, but definitely quite a bit of guys coming back too. So. Yeah. And then lastly, Parker Knutson for Sartell um, to be only a sophomore and make the team. He led, you know, he's one of the top leaders in tackles, led him in interceptions. Um, and just that sophomore class is going to be really fun to see going forward with Cole at quarterback, a couple, uh, Kate and Will. Um, offensive linemen for them that are sophomores that are starting to really step up. They both made second team. Um, that class is only going to continue to get better. I mean, they won three times as many games this year as the previous three years. Um, once you get that kind of momentum and confidence in a program, I think they're just going to see that it's possible. Um, I know they lost some key seniors, but it's not a huge senior class. Yeah, and that sophomore class is going to be fun seeing going forward with Cole, um, you know, at quarterback. And then there's a couple offensive linemen on the second team that also are only sophomores. Um, there's just going to be a lot of experience coming back, a lot more than this year. Um, and I think it's just going to continue to get better for them. They're starting to see more of that success, get more wins under their belt. 
And I think Sartell, they're really going in the right direction as a program, which is fun to see after a couple of tough years. Definitely. No, and, and like you said, I mean, the rest or the second team, people can certainly go online and be able to listen or be able to read what, what's going on there or pick up the paper on Thursday. But uh, the nice part about the second team is there's a lot of uh, younger, younger athletes on those teams. And it's just going to be fun to be able to see those names um, more familiar names heading into the 2021 season, hopefully, hopefully a normal season next year. So get to like, you know, regular have two a days in the summer, you know, back when things were amazing again. So that'd be great. We're, we can be hopeful at least we can be hopeful, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think that'll wrap up our all-metro football teams. Like Brian said, check those out. There's still a lot of second-team guys we're not going to get to here, but um, we'll be in the story, so make sure to take a look at that. Um, So we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about all-metro volleyball and then also kind of what the podcast is going to look like the next couple of weeks with uh, this pause in high school sports. So like I said, we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about All Metro here before we wrap up the show today. Um, This time it'll be volleyball, uh, which is our last All Metro team of the fall season after we did six earlier before um, we had football and volleyball to finish it up. So, Brian, I know you kind of took the lead on this one. Um, Just tell me a little bit about kind of what were the biggest trends or what really stood out from the teams that had the most success this year. Well, shockingly enough, Albany had more pe- had the most people on the first and second teams. Um, I guess when you go undefeated and you haven't lost a set this this season, yeah, I guess you kind of deserve it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, quite a bit of talent. Very senior heavy group. Um, very senior heavy. Uh, I think out of the out of the two teams, I think we have maybe three. Four. We have four um, girls that are not seniors. So just shows you how much senior leadership there was this year and how much talent there was in the senior class um, throughout the entire Metro. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of the first name that pops up when it comes to first team all Metro, Elizabeth Dilly. I mean, it, I, I don't know how you can't put her on the first team. She, she was phenomenal this year. Um, only being able to have, I mean, and the hard part about this was certain teams only played certain amount of sets. So you really had to kind of look at more of the kills per set digs per set rather than like the overall number of, of kills. Um, so with Elizabeth Dilly, she finished with 4.37 kills per set, which is the highest in the Metro area. Um, she also contributed 3.85 digs per set, which was phenomenal. Um, she will be attending the University of Wisconsin Green Bay next fall for D1 for D1 volleyball. Um, I mean, basically exactly what you're looking for when it comes to a outside hitter. Um, and she's been on that Sartell team for so long. Yeah. And who are, who are some of the other ones? I know we had a lot of talented hitters. Um, who are the other ones that stood out? Yeah. So the other hitters that were on that first team were Ashley Weber um, from Albany. Um, she kind of just kind of stepped in in that role um, this year. And um, I know she made her contributions last year and such as well, but this year she definitely made a dominant perform or she had de- definitely a more dominant performance 
um, and was kind of the go-to hitter for Paige Meyer as, um, as an outside hitter for the, for the Huskies. Um, she finished with uh, 4.20 kills per set, as well as 2.33 digs per set. She had a hitting percentage of almost 400, which was insane. Um, and she she's undecided on what she's going to do regarding college, but she ranks second in Albany history for career his hitting efficiency with 309 on over about 1,600 attempts. So um, definitely made her mark on on the Huskies history history books. And um, I know. Uh, Brian is definitely going to be missing the senior class heading into next year, <laughs> just <laughs> in the sense of how many skilled skilled players he had in the senior class and what they've been able to do over the last you know three or four years. And then the other outside hitter um, came from Apollo, um, Noelle Hackenmuller. She's a junior, so she, so we'll be able to see her face next year as well. But um, for the for the Eagles, I mean, they kind of came in. A lot of unknowns. Um, they had a really good um, senior and junior class. So um, I know talking to head coach Sean, he was kind of saying, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a good season. It's just dependent on, you know, how things go regarding this whole COVID aspect. And um, she was one of the biggest leaders for, for that group. And she finished with uh, 2.7 kills per set, as well as uh, 2.73 digs per set, um, which is pretty outstanding for, for her and, um, and for the Eagles. And the nice part is, is like we said, she'll be back for 2021, which is always going to be a fun thing to see. And then I know we had two really talented setters. We decided to put two setters on the team, which made your life a little bit easier <laughs> than trying to decide only one. You want to talk, talk a little bit about them because they're both very deserving of the first team honors. Yeah. I was, I remember I called you on Monday and I'm like, Zach, I don't want to do this. I don't want to choose one of these people to be on second team and one of these people to be on, on first team because they both deserve first team honors. Um, you got Paige Meyer from Albany. She's a senior setter, as well as Morgan Vosberg from, from Sartell. Um, she's a senior setter as well. Um, both of them definitely deserving of this, of this first team, um, just with what they've been able to do. Um, with Paige, she uh, finished the season with 10.29 assists per set. Um, and then 20 aces, 20 kills, and um, 2.33 digs per set. She's probably one of the most reliable players on the court for the Huskies this year, um, and she finished her career as um, in second all-time um, in Albany history with 2,147 career assists. So she'll be – her volleyball career is probably coming to an end because she just um, – or she just committed – or, well, she, she's going to – or she already committed to – um, South Dakota State University to play women's basketball there next year. So I don't know if volleyball is going to be in her future, but, you know, maybe maybe play some intramural. Whoever gets her on their intramural squad is going to be phenomenal. So just going to say that um, for any jackrabbits that are listening right now. Um, and then for Morgan Vosberg, same thing, just one of the most reliable setters in the metro area. Um, she's just phenomenal at what she does. She was on all metro first team last year. Um, and she did not disappoint in her senior year. She finished with 10.56 assists per set, along with 25 kills, 12 aces, and 2.44 digs per set. Um, she will actually be continuing her volleyball career at North Dakota State College of Science um, in North Dakota, um, and she's looking forward to being able to play, um, continue her career at, in, in the college place as well. So um, 
yeah, those two definitely deserve those spots 100%. And then we also had two defenders um, on first team to round it out. Who were the ones that kind of made the cut for that? Yeah, this one was hard. I will say that um, there was a couple couple players. There was probably about three or four different players that I was kind of looking at um, that could potentially take these marks. Um, Haley Thielen, she was, she's just a phenomenal libero for Albany. Um, she's been pretty much the um, she's been pretty much the the reliable person in the back row for the Huskies for quite a while now, um, and. Uh, she, she pretty much is the person that sets up the opportunities for Paige Meyer to, to set it to the, to the hitters. So, um, having her in the back row, I know made Brian's life a lot easier in the sense of setting up plays and and being able to get these wins. Um, she had, she finished the year with 3.21 digs per set as well as 13 aces. Um, she's ranked fourth in Albany history, um, for serve receptions. She had 862 in her career out of 906, um, which is a 95% um, percent um, for serve, serve reception. So definitely going to be someone that that uh, Brian misses next year, um, but definitely made her mark on the Huskies history. And then the final, the final person in this was uh, Kayla Sexton from Cathedral. She's a sophomore. Um, if you look at my description, it's hitter slash setter slash defensive specialist. <laughs> She does it all, people. Um, she she plays all six positions. Um, she goes around the rotation. So basically, if you go around the rotation, you have to know how to do everything. Um, and for her, they didn't really have one particular setter. Um, Faith Van Erp is also their setter. Um, but Kayla definitely helped out on that end as well. Um, she finished with 2.79 kills per set, as well as 2.92 digs per set. She also averaged 3.58 assists per set um, and helped the, the Crusaders finish five and two this season in the Granite Ridge Conference. The only two losses coming from Albany. So um, they had a really good season this year. And the fun part is that she's only a sophomore. So we only get, we get to watch her for a couple more years, which is going to be fun. Um, but there were a couple other players in the second, um, second all or second team all Metro that I was thinking about maybe switching into the first team. Um, one of them was Sarah Harris from Tech. She's a junior libero. She finished with um, over four digs per set, which is more than anybody else in the All-Metro. Um, but she just, I mean, she's phenomenal. She's a junior. She's coming back next year. Um, that Tech squad is going to be very good. They have two sophomore hitters, as well as Harris, uh, who's a junior this year. I mean, they're just going to be completely loaded heading back in next year. Um, and then also Abby Weber from Albany. Um, that's Ashley's sister. And um, she was a very good, she kind of played all around. She was a defensive person. She was a hitter. Um, she kind of did everything. And um, she definitely deserves a second team spot. Was close to putting her on the first team, but it's just, it's hard. It's, there's a lot of talent around here. Um, and then the only team that didn't make it was Sock Rapids. And for Sock Rapids, they have three juniors um, coming back that kind of led this team this year in, in a setter and two hitters, um, and they're going to be probably just as strong heading into next year um, with all of them coming back as well. Yeah, a lot of young talent in the area that will be fun to kind of see where they land next year um, on the list with a lot of graduating seniors. Definitely, and it's going to look a little different next year <laughs> with only four four players being underclassmen. <laughs> I think it's going to be a little bit of a different lineup next year. 
which is always fun to see. But yeah, and while we're on the subject of volleyball, I know you're just fit. You just finished up today a story um, on Apollo volleyball player that's going up over Thanksgiving. You want to just briefly touch on what people can expect with that? Yeah, no, definitely a very um, human interest type story. Um, her name is Madison Beal, and uh, she's she's had she's had one heck of a fight. Um, and honestly, the fact that she's playing volleyball right now is just super inspiring because, um, back in May of 2019, she was sitting on a hospital bed, um, trying to get a bone marrow transplant because, um, she was dealing with a rare form of leukemia. Um, and so basically the idea of volleyball was not even in her head at that point, even though one of her goals after she had the transplant was she wanted to get back on the volleyball court for her senior year. And obviously with this year, we just weren't sure when volleyball was going to happen to be quite honest. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, that, that Minnesota, or Minnesota state high school, league made it official in the fall. And she was so excited that she got to go play with some of her teammates. Um, but she's been, I mean, she's, she's been diagnosed with, with cancer since third grade but it was manageable um, during her middle school years and such. But then sophomore year, she realized things were hurting a lot more. Um, and she knew that something was up. She went and got diag- or went and got uh, checked by the doctors and they, they re-diagnosed her with a rare form of uh, leukemia that basically is um, targeted towards the bone marrow. Um, and so her brother, her younger brother was the donor that gave her bone marrow and, um, Luckily, she's in remission now, um, but definitely a very a very heartfelt story. Um, I know this is going to be on the this is going to be centerpiece for um, the front page of the Thanksgiving Day paper. So I would highly encourage people to go get it. Um, it's also going to be online as a subscriber only story. So definitely, I would encourage you to get a subscription and read this story because um, after reading this, um, I honestly I don't know what it was such an inspiring story to, to even, I was so honored to be able to write it because it's just such a cool story to, to tell people. And um, if you're listening, Madison, I hope I did it justice. Um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully people enjoy the story as much as I did writing it. Yeah. And with that, that kind of wraps up our high school coverage, at least for, for the next couple of weeks, probably as we get in the next few weeks, we will probably going to try to talk to some coaches in the programs and kind of, get previews ready, but for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, Brian's going to be working more on kind of a, a winter project that we might talk about later as it kind of comes together, um, something to get us through the next month kind of. And then also for me, um, college sports are back. So women's hockey, we're both going to be at Friday night as planned right now. It sounds like um, after some positive COVID tests a couple of weeks ago, they currently have just a little bit over the amount um, of available players you can have to, to play. So um, they have about 15 players or so right now um, available to play on Friday. So at the moment, they're going to be playing. And then men's hockey, you're going to be going down to Omaha uh, around this weekend and start up their season in the pod down there next Tuesday. So um, I think at least next week, especially, we'll just coming off those two games and a couple, at least the series for the women and the first game for the men. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about hockey and kind of the college ranks the next couple weeks, maybe a little bit about Brian's project too. Um, and then after those couple of weeks, we'll probably kind of get back to high school as, as this pause ends. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you get to do your normal job again, which is kind of exciting. So that's kind of cool. 
It is. This project is 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 kind of cool. I I don't really want to go much into detail right now. It's not secret. We're not we're not trying to be secretive or anything like that. It's just the idea of the fact that I still don't know exactly what we're doing yet. So that's key. We need to establish that first before we start telling the audience. (laughs) (laughs) But that'll definitely be something to to keep you busy and kind of do something unique with your time while, while high school is on pause. So yeah, that's going to be kind of what the next couple of weeks will look out a lot more college talk, a lot more hockey talk, but then we're going to kind of, as the month gets closer to an end and even kind of the middle of the month, we'll start to preview some of those winter sports um, and give you kind of the, the more normal content you would expect from the podcast. Definitely. Definitely. No, it'll be a, it'll be a fun, it'll be an interesting December, but it'll be a fun December. We still got sports coming with ice with college. So um, definitely continue to stay tuned. We appreciate everybody's readers or listening to the, the podcast and being able to subscribe. Um, it seems like, everything's kind of going up for this company or for, for St. Cloud times. And it's all because of you guys. So we do appreciate it. Um, and hopefully you keep enjoying all the articles that we write. Um, I know we got a lot of stuff coming up this week, so definitely be checking sctimes.com as well as the papers. Um, we got some really cool designs coming for Thanksgiving and such. So um, should be kind of a, a fun week of sports coverage, both on the front page as well as um, in the sports page. So um, definitely stay tuned for a lot of that stuff um, in the next week or so. And just before we wrap up, I want to mention I did win the football picks. Uh, you did. Yes, I was you did. 3-0 last week. I came <laughs> home strong. 34-4 and four this year. Who's counting? Not me. Um, I just wanted to get that in before we wrapped up and we got too far away from football. Season. That's true. No, we, yep. Uh, kudos to Zach for winning that league. Um, we'll be, uh, Giving him a small little uh, there's there's a secretive uh, thing that I'm making right now that will be given to you later on. So mm. so just as a heads up, that'll be coming. Um, and then we'll probably a tinfoil hat, I'm assuming. Yes, yes, nothing but tinfoil and uh, and um, and a bunch of a bunch of uh, used toilet paper rolls. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. It's no homemade. It's extra special. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, don't worry. It don't say winner on it. So, um, but no, yeah, definitely kudos to him. Randy, I think finished in second. I finished in third and Dave finished in last. So next year, don't know if Randy will be, uh, be around at that time, but we can still maybe involve him, um, see what happens. And hopefully we can kind of keep this tradition going a little bit. Yeah. He can be our guest picker, like on game day or something. <laughs> <laughs> But definitely, yeah. So that about wraps up the podcast for this week. Once again, as always, thank you for everyone who tuned in. So like we said, next week it's going to be a little more college theme, but um, still sports happening. So always a good time to be around. So um, like I said, for Brian and for me, thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you again next time.